The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. Welcome to Mind Body Pause with Charlie Kale, holistic living for you and your animals. You found your happy place to nurture your connection to animals with enlightening information from the innovators who make their world a better place. This is Mind Body Pause on Empower Radio. Now, here's your host, fellow animal lover, Charlie Kale. And welcome to Mind Body Paws, holistic living for you and your animals. Thank you for being here. This is show number 50, Casting Canines, on set with the pooch coach, Beverly Albrecht, who casts, trains, and handles dogs for the stage, for commercials, for TV and movies, and we get to hear what goes on behind the scenes. I'm Charlie Kale, a passionate dog and cat mom, broadcaster, and Reiki master and practitioner in San Francisco at Energy Healing for People and Paws. I do Reiki and intuitive counseling for people or animals all over the world because energy transcends space and time. We can do it over Zoom or Skype or the phone. You choose. Reiki helps you de-stress and relax your nervous system to strengthen your immunity. And it's all on my website, charliekale.com, C-H-A-R-L-Y-K-A-Y-L-E. And right now, as we're all trying to strengthen our immune systems, I'm relieved to know that my dogs, my cat, and I all take the best probiotic I could find. And I've taken a lot of different brands. But this one pulls glyphosate out of your system. It's by Purium, as in pure premium, organic, plant-based superfood supplements. Epigenius for dogs also strengthens joints with high-quality herbs and minerals that I was buying individually to put in their food. Of course, Purium can acquire even cleaner, better-quality ingredients at lower prices than I can, and I was so impressed, I joined their team and made them my sponsor. Go to ishoppurium.com and put in my code to get a 25% discount. It's Mind Body Pause. ishoppurium.com and the discount code MindBodyPause. This is your safe place to honor animals, where we'll nurture our connection to them mentally, emotionally, physically, and filmatically on the silver screen. My guest is a San Francisco-based private dog trainer and behaviorist who's worked with dog owners, rescue organizations, veterinarians, many more. She founded The Pooch Coach to help people better connect with their canine companions through her empathic methodology and expertise in everything from dog aggression to fear and anxiety. Her motto is any dog, any problem. In addition to casting, training, and handling dogs for the stage, for TV and film, Beverly often appears on TV herself as a canine behavior expert. And you have seen her all over national networks like ABC, CBS, NBC, CNN, Animal Planet, Bravo TV, Discovery Channel, and a whole lot more. Her two-year-old dog, Music, has already starred in commercials, on TV, and film. The Pooch Coach has won many awards, including a Local Hero Award for supporting her community during the COVID-19 pandemic. Welcome, welcome, Beverly. Welcome back, I should say. 
Yeah, hi. Thanks for having me again. <laughs> yes, absolutely. So the last time we talked about uh, basic behavioral techniques. Now we're going to go on set with you with uh, TV, film, and what it's like casting and training and directing <laughs> and handling all these dogs. I mean, your resume for both yourself and the animals you've trained is basically a mile long. And so many productions where you casted, trained, and handled the canines, and not just one dog, but sometimes up to 30 dogs at a time. And you don't have 30 dogs yourself, right? No. In fact, my biggest one was more like 100 dogs for a movie I did. It was a oh movie my I shot over several months. Goodness. I had to do all 100 dogs and be on set for every single time a dog was on set or more dogs were on set, and I was the only wrangler, so it was pretty intense. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> so I'm a sucker for German Shepherds. So to me, this project sounds like heaven. You casted, trained, and handled 15 of them for the film, The Shepherds of Cat Island. I got all excited because my shepherd loves cats and she's so gentle with them. But this island doesn't have anything to do with felines when I looked it up. No, it does not. <laughs> so how was that experience? Um, that was pretty intense. Even the terrain was intense for the dogs. We had to make it look... Uh look realistic um yeah so what i what i had to mostly do was find dogs that could attack on command that were trained for that for police work and things because uh that's what the the movie was about is how the dogs were being trained to do some uh ridiculous actually attack things um for world war ii in world during world war ii so um so most of that was that, that i just had to get the guys that do that for a living and find the dogs that could do it like over and over and over again on clue because the most challenging thing believe it or not was that the director wanted to do the whole 20 minute movie in one in one swoop it's Whoa. just a one one line film there's no editing so it's hard enough to do that with one dog but to have all the dogs all 15 dogs cannot mess up anything whatsoever in any shoot or it ruins the entire shoot and I'm proud to say my dogs never messed up any shoots. Humans messed up a lot of them. I was just going to say, I'll bet the humans did. Nope. Yep. The dogs never, ever messed up. They did every single thing on cue. I had a dog that had to be on a boat in a cage barking, and she barked the entire time for us. Um, and I had other dogs, again, had to attack on command, other dogs that had to run on or off screen on command. And there was never a miscue. It, it, it was a really good team because they, they're also professional dog handlers, most of them. So it, it made it a lot easier than working with the actors and stuff. That's when it gets harder with me. I, I have to work with actors that know nothing about dogs and you tell them what to do and they can't follow instructions. And so it's very frustrating. And then they're going to ruin the shoot. They're going to ruin that scene. Right. So even, even like with uh, even commercials and things like that, I'll tell somebody, just tell my, you know, tell the dog this and they'll do it and they won't say it right. And then everybody thinks it's the dog's fault. And it's like, no, I, the person has no idea how to issue a command to a dog. <laughs> oh, wow. And, you know, and you just brought up something, too. What about when you've got to do you've got to have a dog do something um, on film that they know is wrong in real life? Well, luckily, I don't have to do that too much. Oh, um, good. You can fake it. Like, so let's say like, I, I've had to do a lot of filming where I have fake a dog pee, right? We don't actually make the dog pee, obviously. What I use, and this is a, a, an expert tip that I've been teaching. I just taught somebody for a commercial we shot uh, a couple weeks, uh, a couple months ago, um, is that yellow Gatorade looks like pee. 
perfect. So we use yellow Gatorade to stain the, the, you know, put on the floor, stain the carpet or whatever we want. And, and, and the, and we just fake it. So the dog obviously doesn't actually have to pee. That's, that's good. How are dogs treated when on set, when they're under your care? Oh yeah. My, my number one priority is, is safety. And then obviously getting the shot. So I've had to make some calls uh, in, in different senses and in a couple bad situations, but mostly it's been okay where I just have to say, Hey, we have to take a break and let the dogs get a drink right now. Or you have to stop doing this one thing to the dog, you know, things like that. Um, and making sure that, that at, at no time is the dog scared or nervous or anything. I always want to make sure the dogs are enjoying what they're doing. And, and if they, if they don't, you're going to see it on film anyway, you'll see that the dog is not joyful and it's going to take away from the, the moment. What was one of your favorite uh, sessions, one of your favorite productions? Hmm. Or one that comes to mind? Yeah. Um, Probably one of my favorites goes back to my first stage performance with with my prior dog. She played Toto in The Wizard of Oz for uh, a bunch of shows. And so that was super challenging to do live performances night after night um, and have the dog have to, you know, be carried on, on stage. And there was pyrotechnics going off when the Wicked Rich landed and stuff. And my little puppy, she was only 15 months at the time, had to stay in the, in the basket and behave. And she was just amazing. And I started seeing how much I really could do with dogs and how great they can be if they're trained well. You know, actors get bored doing the same thing night after night. I imagine the poor pup got bored. Um, well, for them, it's more exciting, right? To them, it's just they're still getting attention. They're getting treats. They're getting they're being part of the fun. So they don't really mind. It's, it, it's fun. One of the scenes, uh, if you know, if you remember The Wizard of Oz, is um, is that the dog steals a sausage off the stick from uh, like a, tr- a guy who's like a tramp, you know, out, out cooking, oh. cooking by himself. So, yeah. like, you have that scene in the movie. I mean, in the, I'm sorry, in the, I said the movie. In the, you have that scene in a play. And my dog loved it. I mean, she couldn't wait to run out on the stage and steal a, a, a sausage off a stick. <laughs> <laughs> right. Knowing that the, this was encouraged, allowed and rewarded. Exactly. It was hard to teach her to take it in the first place because she thought, why would I take something from someone? But after she saw it was a game and she got rewarded for it, she got to eat the, the dog, obviously, sausage. I use dog stuff, not human stuff. Um, but yeah, she, then she, she loved it and it was fun every night for her to do it. So having those kinds of things interspersed, they get, if they get enough rewards, they're just so happy to keep going. So there you go right there. Um, it's something that she normally would not do because she knows that would be wrong, but you turned exactly. it into a game. So then she knew in this instance, this game, it's okay. Exactly. Yeah. I had to train uh, dogs to chew on a cell phone cover. Oh. Same thing. My, the, my, uh, it wasn't my dog, but I picked one of my clients, um, had a pit bull that I knew would be perfect. Um, cause, and she's really good. She helped. She's really good when I assign her, like, practice this. She, she does it. So that, that was actually the first time I worked with her, though, and she did a great job. But what I explained is the dog's not going to want to chew up phones. Because what I did was I take the phone case, and then inside I put, I, 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 you know, I, I messed it up and changed it. But it, I had a thing inside where there was a dog cookie. So the dog would pick it up and think of it that was a cookie to chew. And it was eating the, the cell phone cover thinking it was trying to get to the cookie. And it, it didn't look like that, obviously, to people watching from the outside. But that's what was encouraging the dog to chew. And since cell phones don't have cookies glued to them, 
he's he's not going to want to go pick up another cell phone. So it didn't cause any problems. And we also worked with a specific cover over and over again. I had them send me the prop in advance. So we were only using one type and one look of cell phone cover. So smart. Yeah, that definitely a good way to do it. Um, I want to bring up one of your least favorite TV appearances, but I won't uh, call it out by name unless you want to. But I just want to show people how reality shows manipulate the truth. You were on a reality show where they filmed you going through some training with your own dog who behaved perfectly. Then they took your voiceover and they put it on footage of your dog just laying there to, to make it act as if he was ignoring you, which wasn't the case at all. Yep, that was really annoying. <laughs> <laughs> and you had no recourse afterward to be able to say to them, whoa, you know, that, yeah, that's no, a lie. It already, it already aired. I mean, there's nothing I could do. I didn't see it till they aired it. And literally, it was my dog walking on the boat, walking on deck, you know, kind of close up to her. And the voiceover was play dead, compass, play dead. And it's like, if I said play dead right then, she would have played dead. It wasn't when I did have her play dead on camera and, and they filmed her playing dead. But then they didn't take that 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 cut of her actually playing dead. They took a cut of her walking and exactly. and acted like she was ignoring me. And I'm like, this is my livelihood, people. You really, this is unfair. I was I was not amused. <laughs> no, because they thought it was funny. But it just goes to show people how they say reality. And yes, you really said that, and the dog really walked, but not at the same time. Because exactly. They... <laughs> <laughs> it was a, so... a, a big misrepresentation. Yes, manipulation for entertainment value, but not reality. <laughs> right, exactly. So people who are interested in having their dogs be on a commercial or a TV show or a film, what are some of the things that you look for when you're casting an animal? Yeah, there's, there's kind of two different categories. I, I either get asked for a certain look, like they needed an absolutely adorable puppy that just was going to walk around and play and do whatever. They don't even care. It doesn't have any skill set. Um, like, like sometimes I have to cast and get like four or five puppies that will just play together on film. So it's just natural activity. It's just the looks they want. They need, you know, they need German Shepherds or they need a Golden Retriever or a Schnauzer or whatever. Um, so I do a lot of that. Um, but more, especially for movies and stuff, it's usually more talent and, and actually the dog having to have a skill. So the dog has to, you know, retrieve a, a stick on command, speak on command, uh, play dead and pretend to be asleep. So once there's actions involved, then it becomes a lot harder because the dog has to be really well trained. Um, and it's not just about being pretty. <laughs> <laughs> right. And really well trained um, in, in a positive manner in something that would relate to you and be able to trust you, that dog would be able to trust you. Right. And the other thing too, is you, you have to make sure your dog will listen to other people because you're not in the scene usually. Mm -hmm. So your dog has to be really friendly with actors and actresses of all type. And like I mentioned earlier, sometimes they don't even um, know how to work with dogs very well. They're not comfortable with dogs. So it's very awkward to try to get them to interact with the dog because they don't know what they're doing. Mm. Um, but if a, if a dog, if they're more of a natural dog person, then it's a lot easier and, and a lot more fun to, to work with them because they even know how to, you know, get a dog to react a little bit more and they understand how to issue commands and all that kind of stuff. Oh, and then you've got the dogs that work with other animals, too, um, yep. whether wild animals, domesticated animals, all kinds. <laughs> yep. <laughs> My favorite are the and animals. So, yeah. So the bottom line with that, too, is that 
your, your dog not only has to know a command, but it has to be foolproof. And I think that's where, like, even when I try to hire outside dogs other than mine, that's where things fall through. It's just because your dog sometimes catches something or can play dead when you tell them to do it for a second in your, in your living room. It's completely different than them lying in a strange place they've never been before, motionless, for five minutes while they're being filmed. <laughs> Oh yeah, I don't know any other dog other than my dogs that could do that. I've, I, every even when I've tried to work with dogs and trained them myself and asked the humans, that, you know, the owners to tr- help me train them, they never do as well in the movie. They just can't do play deads that well because you know there's too much motion. The camera's coming in on them. People are talking and moving around, and it eventually makes them you know wag their tail or pick their head <laughs> up or whatever. It's like nope, they're not sleeping anymore. <laughs> well, <laughs> or com- dead. You're <laughs> right. Com- actually playing dead. Yeah, and completely brand new scents. And that's got to be so distracting because they have 50,000 scents that, you know, um, that they're smelling. So exactly. they're, they're just Worst like, case, I have a bad story there. So every time you film on a set, they, they call it a hot set when it's set up to film and you don't go anywhere near it. You, don't, you can't put props in it. You can't put like, you, know, you can't, I shouldn't say props. You can't put a glass of water down, right? You can't do anything to the set to change it for consistency. You want to make sure it looks exactly the same when you pick it up again. So even though you're not using that area, you can't, um, you know, for like for a lunch break, let's say they're going on a lunch break. You can't eat in that area, right? It's part of mm-hmm. the hot set. Well, uh, I was outside once and they decided to eat a whole bunch of Indian food on the set in the hot area. And so oh. when I tried to r- work with the dog later, there was pieces of rice and little pieces, crumbs and stuff all over the ground. And, po- and again, it wasn't like a, a room where you could run a vacuum. So I-, I couldn't get the dog to do anything. All it did was try to find the food on the floor for the next hour. Right. And I was like, guys, why did you eat there? Like, what do you think is going to happen? So, I mean, people just don't think. And it's like, and they set it up before I had a chance to say anything. I saw it. I went, oh, this might not go well, but it's too late. Everybody is already sitting down eating. So I'm like, oh, well, this should be interesting. Yeah. And it wasn't the dog's fault at all. Well, I will say this. It wasn't the dog's fault because it wasn't a, a real actor. It was a friend's, you know, a client's friend's dog um, kind of thing. So my dog would not do that. Oh. I can still guarantee it. I don't care what's on the ground. My dog will pay attention to me over that. If I train them to do it, they will do it. Oh. But for a dog that's untrained, they're just like, ah, food. I want to eat it. Why, why not? And for anyone who hasn't heard the podcast before this one, you're training them with love and trust. Yeah. And in that case, again, you teach them if they go to eat it off the ground, even if they eat a piece, it's going to taste like crap, right? It's like dirt with. <laughs> a rice in it wouldn't you rather come to me and get like a liver treat so after a while they realized i'd rather come to you and get a liver treat than try to pick grains of rice out of these leaves yeah there we go (laughs) i'm talking with empathic dog behaviorist beverly ulbrich of the pooch coach at poochcoach.com she casts trains and handles dogs for film and tv and commercials and stage do you run across any stage parents of the dogs who are just pushing their dog on you and pushing and going, no, Fluffy's the best. You, you, you've got to cast her. Yeah, I, I do get a lot of that. And, and the, the worst part I get is when people say, my dog can do this action. So I don't trust them. I can't. So I say, you know, film them and send it to me. And then they'll go, well, I'm actually teaching them it. They'll be able to do it in a week. No, they won't. Not on a set with live people running around around them. If they can't do it already now. They have to at least be able to do it. And then you're going to have to proof it and work harder. Um, so I always have to ask for proof. 
Um, and then sometimes they even fake that. They'll be like, yeah, see, here's my, my ball, my dog holding a ball in its mouth. I'm like, great. So they can catch the ball and hold it in their mouth. And then we get to the set and it's like, oh, well, I actually don't want my dog to catch balls because I heard once that a dog choked on a ball. So I'm like, oh, you've got to be kidding me. You are hired to be the dog that catches the ball. Why did, why did you come on set then? <laughs> right, right. I mean, actors and actresses do this all the time when, um, you know, horseback riding. Exactly. Yes. And then they're like, oh, well, if I get the job, I'll hurry up and take lessons. You hear this exactly. all the time. So yeah. I imagine they do it with their poor dogs, too. Exactly. Well, that, and that's why I, I just push always to use my dog, because even if she can't do it right then, I do have the next two weeks to train her and I, I can work with her enough to get her to the point. So, and she's a professional, she knows what she's doing and she's going to know what a set is. So I'm not worried about it. But when they say, oh no, we need you know, a, you know, a, a 16 pound black dog that can do this. It's like, uh, casting is going to be hell again. <laughs> <laughs> but <laughs> probably any dog, any production. <laughs> <laughs> That's a little different, actually, but yeah. <laughs> no, I know. I'm kidding. <laughs> yeah. I just changed your motto, so we'll, yes. we, we won't do that. Do <laughs> you um, ever have to uh, do some overseas or in other countries? With um, and, and if so, do you take your dogs or do you try to cast over there? That would be quite a challenge. Yeah. Yeah, I wouldn't be able to cast overseas. I'd probably have to bring them. But no, I, I even get like a lot of the L.A. folks that are shooting movies up here don't want to bring a dog up. So I get to do the, the dog here locally because um, it's hard for a dog to live away from home for a couple of weeks and, and stay in its, uh, you know, be, do its best. So it's nice to have a dog that can actually stay in their own house and film during the day. Um, so that's one of the ways I get gigs that way. But otherwise, I've gone to L.A. for some filming. I've done that. Um but, and then I have to go out to like, you know, Tracy, which is like middle of nowhere, California. <laughs> yeah. Um, I had to go, I, I had to go to, did I go to Lodi now in Ivory Ring? I know I had to, did I do it yet? I can't remember now, but anyway, <laughs> there's always, <laughs> no, no, that one, that one's coming up. That's right. That's after, after the shutdown, we're filming in Lodi. Yeah. The shutdown uh, must've, um, they do want music. Yeah. I guess the lockdowns uh, put a lot of the production on hold that you probably were about to be involved in. Exactly. The last one we did was like early March. And even then we were like, we couldn't shake hands and we were touching elbows and all that stuff on set. So that was mm. before the shelter in place. Um, do you have a problem with crew wanting to pet the dog when it's not dog petting time? Right. That's really interesting because I'll go on a set that's too, totally professional and they'll even up front in the instructions tell people not to touch the dog unless they ask me first or don't do it at all or whatever. Um, and so those are great because people will say, can I pet your dog? And they'll be really good about it. And if I feel like she can handle it because there's a long break or whatever, I can let them do it. Um, but other times I people just come and try to pick my dog up. And I'm like, what the hell? I don't ever let anybody ever pick my dog up. Because first of all, they don't know that she has a bad back from injuries um, when she was almost killed by another dog a couple uh, a year ago now, um, almost a year. Um, and so if you pick her up the wrong way, you can actually hurt her. But more importantly, you don't just go pick up somebody else's dog. Never. <laughs> they think, oh, you know, she's just another prop, I guess. And so they go pick her. I'm like, no, don't pick up my dog. Like, that's not cool. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Absolutely. And that's like at the dog park. I've also had people want to oh, feed them no. human food. And I'm like, no, she, I'm keeping her. I, I, you, I don't really want her spending the second half throwing up. So right. maybe you could not feed her the salami and you could just let me feed her her dog treats to reward her for the work she's doing like I'm trying to do here. 
that's just basic, basic for everyone. Always ask first before you pet someone's dog. God forbid, pick them up, but don't just don't. And feed and, them. Yeah, and, and they could be feeding feed them, them something right. they're allergic to. Exactly, exactly. At the dog park, um, most of us are always like, is it okay to give your dog a treat? It is a whatever, you know, right, exactly. turkey and duck or whatever. Um, but what blows my mind are the people that bring their kids in the dog park and then the kids go running after the dogs. I'm like, don't chase my dog. <laughs> Big dog is going to be fine with you, but little dog is going to want to turn around and bite you. So, you know, yeah. don't dare. So he's fine with dogs chasing him, but he doesn't want kids chasing him. So right. we are down to the last few minutes. What is one last thing you would like to impress upon everyone? Uh, if you want your dog to be a show dog, um, the main the, the, the main way to go is Work on whatever thing they do do really well. If they're great at fetching, continue doing fetching and putting more words to it and, and putting it more under voice control. Same thing if your dog is even just lazy and sleeps well, that's great too. Teach them to play dead and pra let them practice lying there while you do things around them and they don't move. So it's take advantage of what their skill set already is, just like you would with a human, and expand upon it and drill it so that when you do get a chance to be on set with that behavior, the dog will shine. And be honest about the behaviors. Exactly. Because it's going to come out when they get, if they get the job and they're on set, it's yeah. going to come out that we, no, do. we don't want to find the dog actually can't swim once we're in the lake. <laughs> right. Exactly. Because you can't teach that one in two days. Thank you so much for being on the show again, Beverly. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. Find out more about the Pooch Coach, Beverly Ulbrich at poochcoach.com. So much good information on that website. Just go and read it and join her on all her social media platforms. And thank you for hanging out with me on Mind Body Pause, holistic living for you and your animals. I'm Charlie Kale. If you need some de-stressing and want to boost your immune system, email me for some Zoom Reiki distant healing. You can do it on Skype or the phone if you prefer for your animals or you anywhere in the world. Go to charliekale.com, C-H-A-R-L-Y-K-A-Y-L-E.com. And I've got past shows on there as well as on my page at Empower Radio. Thanks to my sponsor, Purium, with their pure premium organic plant-based superfoods that boost your immunity and pull glyphosate out of your system for you and your dogs. Go to ishoppurium.com, put in my discount code MINDBODYPAUSE, and it will help support the show. Thank you, Brent Carey, founder and CEO of Empower Radio, and Tony Ficini in the studio in Detroit for all your love and support. Take care and remember that no matter what's going on with your animals, don't beat yourself up thinking you could have done better because you are doing the best you can. They know it and they chose you anyway, and they love you for it. Mind Body Pause is a guilt-free zone. See you next time. Hello, I'm Dr. Stephen Farber, and I am an author, teacher, psychotherapist, and shamanic practitioner. On my podcast, Healing for Your Soul, I welcome some amazing guests and introduce you to some healing techniques like earth magic, working with nature and animals, and really getting to the heart of what is keeping you stuck. I want to help you deepen your spirituality and let go of blocks that are holding you back. Let me help you in this journey called life. 
part of the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network. Subscribe and follow wherever you get your podcasts so you don't miss an episode.